0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another Real Debaters production. I am Michael Petro, and joining me on the show this week is Jimmy Skinner while we sit down with Sean Linden, writer, director, and producer of a brand-new film called Hunter Hunter, released late in 2020. It's the story of a Canadian family in the Canadian wilderness. They're a family of trappers, and they come across a wolf that is fucking their shit up. So they got to figure out this wolf problem, lickety-split, um, it's got some hard fairy tale vibes in it from yesteryear, but it's really a thriller with a horror base like its base is horror and it's it's got thriller up its spine, so to speak. It's it's an amazing film. I love this movie. I honestly think everybody and their dog should watch this if they're if they're sick and tired of old ideas and horror. This is a this is a new idea and a slow burn that'll that'll take you for a ride. You'll literally be at the end of your bed with your jaw on your floor going, How the fuck did we get here? This ending is nuts. Such a hard right turn, but anyways, about the ending, is uh, we do a spoiler alert just before we talk about it. So if you uh, after you download and subscribe to the show and you've got this episode sitting on your device, go watch the movie, check out the ending, and then come back and listen to Sean talk about the behind the scenes stuff about how he did it, just to kind of add some some more depth, get a little meta with the movie, so to speak. Uh, if you want to track us, if you want to talk to us, if you want to look at us. You can go to therealdebaters.ca. That's where everything is, ladies and gentlemen. That's all things Real Debaters. If you want to send us an email, it's therealdebaters at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, it's just at Real Debaters. All the spelling is R-E-E-L. Thank you to all of our fans who always listen to the show, but specifically to our Winnipeg, Nanaimo, Brandon, Oak Bank, and Vancouver fans this week. You were top five north of the border. And to our top five south of the border, San Jose, Ashburn, Southington, Cedar Grove, and Boardman, thank you as well. We can see your country burning. We hope it doesn't. We liked you as neighbors once before, and maybe we can get back to that once again. (laughs) Anyways, that's all I got for you guys this week. So uh, I hope you enjoy the show. You can find all the Sean's stuff on the website after if you want to see what else he's made. Uh, He talks about what he's coming up with, too, at the end of the show, too. So I can't wait for his new film. I got nothing else. I'll cue the reel. You enjoy the show.
1: Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. Sixteen thousand separate photographs. Welcome, everyone. You the official section is the, the truth?
2: You can't handle the truth. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Real Debaters. We're doing a real talk this week with Sean Linden, writer, director, producer, every man on the 2020, yet yeah, 2020 movie, Hunter, Hunter. Hello, Sean. How are you doing?
2: Hello, gentlemen. It's good to, good to talk with you.
0: be better to do this in person. I feel we're going to be able to, to do it uh, probably next week, maybe the week after. There's, there's, there's some talk on the horizon. I don't want to start spreading rumors, but one yeah, day. Don't we'll... it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all
0: right. Knock on the wood. Um, so one day we'll get you in, in the living room with us and you can, you can be a part of the original <coughs> show. But as, as for anybody who's listened before, this is our ongoing series with Manitobans who make movies. Uh, anybody who's on set, anybody who's, who's got a passion for movies. This is what the series is all about. Um, so I, tripped over hunter hunter i'm pretty sure uh jimmy like you heard about it from me but i heard because i follow juliet on instagram and all of a sudden this this story including devin sawa and nick stall um popped up on my radar and i was like okay cool and then i heard it came out and 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 i sent a message to juliet and i was like what's this all about she said just watch it and i watched it (laughs) and uh, i was like okay i get why you left so much off the table but Let's start at the beginning. How did this whole entire uh, adventure come to be? Because it's from my understanding, from what me and Jimmy have learned, this is about a 10-year-old project.
2: Yeah, it's more than, more than 10 years. It was written originally in 2007. Wow. And um, Yeah, it, it got into the NSI Futures First program, I think, in 2008. And then after that, it was 10 years of nearly being able to make it. Uh, and, and kind of having, inevitably, things fall apart, and you know, rebuilding and getting close and falling apart, and so finally, ten years later, it's, um, we, we managed to to luckily get it made.
0: What? How many iterations of this was it? Always what it was at the beginning, at the end, or did you cycle through a lot of different ideas? Because. Like, let's just give everybody kind of a quick premise here, and you can, you can do what all the other guys do on the show, which is cut me off when I fuck shit up. It's totally fine. Um, so, But my understanding and the premise of it off the top of my head is a family of trappers in the Canadian wilderness comes across a quote-unquote wolf, which then starts to eat what's in their traps when they're trying to survive the harsh Canadian winter. And really, the wolf is more or less a metaphor without giving it away. From what i noticed but you can correct me if i'm wrong on that and it and it slowly dives into this thriller of surviving the canadian wilderness and the harsh elements as well as surviving the beasts and said elements as well too quote unquote
2: yeah it becomes more of a metaphor as the as the story progresses um but originally starts out as a as a concrete problem um yeah that's a that's a fairly good summation of it um What can I say about it? It was, it was kind of influenced by movies with a big bang at the end. I I really like horror movies that, that really shocked you at the end. And this was inspired by movies like The Vanishing, The Dutch Vanishing was a big influence on the script and um, Takeshi Miike's Audition and things like that. Things that are kind of relatively slow burns that that uh, suddenly explode in violence or horror or gore. Um, but it had started out as a much bigger movie. Um, the core was always there. there there's two primary um, uh, scenes that are, that are pretty crucial. They, the story turns very abruptly on both of those scenes, and, and those were around from the, the inception of the story. Um, but it had started out as a lot more of a, a police procedural. Um, and then had had vaguely werewolf uh movie leadings
1: <laughs> Funny, i said then, that we started recording
2: <laughs> had a very yeah. werewolf yeah well i mean it's the the a lot of the werewolf stuff is still um is still there it's just not um it's just not as pronounced as usual it never ever became a full-blown werewolf movie even in its closest incarnation but yeah, there's no, there's no way to prove in, in this movie that there isn't a werewolf. Like <laughs> the wolf, the wolf and the dude aren't ever seen in the same place.
1: Oh,
2: I but, love that. Uh, yeah, eventually it's it's like it it as it moved from company to company who was trying to get it made. It shifted a little bit to suit budgets and circumstance and things like that, and eventually it all just kind of. I boiled down everything away and and removed everything that wasn't uh, unique to the story and just kind of kept the things that um, that needed to be told to get that story across.
0: It's now now that Jimmy has made the comment, and you have confirmed it for us. I definitely can see how yeah the stall is that they're never in the scene at the same time. So you are left to allude that yeah, it it it's not your typical lichen. I'm not liking it as much as it's but like it's <laughs> it's a whole new play on a werewolf being a physical wolf and a real human. That's man, I love it when it gets meta like that. That's really cool. Um so you wrote, produced, and directed this. That's a lot of hats to wear on a movie set and and we're outsiders. We don't claim to be professionals here. This is all, you know, by the cuff and so to speak. So, but I can only imagine what that must feel like having to switch all these hats and go left brain, right brain. Is that something that you typically do? Or is it something you just, because this is your baby, because it's 10 years old, because you've, you've watched it go through iteration after iteration. Is that something that happened along the way because you wanted it to be your vision? Or is it something you do when you make a movie anyways?
2: Um, well, like for writing and directing, when I'm writing a script, I'm also doing a lot of directing work, like I don't really leave a scene until I can see it visually. So usually if, if it's a script that I'm going to be able to direct, by the time I'm done writing the script, I can already see the movie. And it's just the being a director is just basically being there and, and executing um, what is essentially a fully... Uh, 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 developed blueprint as well as you can amidst all of the chaos of day to um, uh, uh, day, day to day shooting. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought.
0: I do it all the time, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, the, the question was uh, with moving between writing, directing, and producing. Oh
2: yes, yeah. Um, luckily enough, I don't have to do all of those things at the same time. Um, like once I'm done, uh, uh, writing the script, then I can put away the writer in me and move on to the, to the directing. And while I'm directing, um, the film, I was lucky enough to have two really great producers, Neil Elman and, and, and Juliet, um, um, who is a, a Manitoban. And when it came time for me to get into the directing part of it, then a lot of the producing duties were taken off my hands and 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 kept away from me while I was focusing on other things and then when the shooting of the movie finished and it was more of a point of uh, or the, the, the all that was left was the post-production um after the the edit and the, the sound mixes and things like that um I was able to put away the director stuff and reassume the producer thing so it, it's really especially for something that I've written and directed myself, it's a really organic process through and through. It's it's kind of like a club by the time it's it's finished. Like you spend 10 years with something, it, when you move, it moves.
0: I want to hand it over to Jimmy here because we've been going back and forth this week about like, are you going to ask stuff first? Am I going to ask stuff first? Because we've been like, honestly, truly, sincerely, Sean, I haven't been this excited about the horror genre and Jimmy can confirm that because I... I, I, he's on we met each other because he's such a fanatic for this stuff and in a, in a good way not not in the fanatic that devin sowell was in but, <laughs> um, see how I that in but uh i want to hand it over to jimmy for a second here just so that he can he can grill you too uh jimmy floor is yours sir
1: i just from the exact moment of the card and the the ominous tone that you guys played there i i uh I knew that I was going to love this movie and I knew that I was going to enjoy it right from that home. Um, but I gotta say, I gotta ask you, um, did Devin Sawa, did he do the wolf call himself?
2: No. Oh man. You should have heard what it what it actually sounds like in the take. It's hilarious. He, he went full on, but it sounds like, like, uh, like a Bigfoot that just lost his girlfriend. Like, just crying out into the air it's, it was hilarious but he's a gamer he, he did it and you know all we needed was the kind of the steam coming out of his breath and the fact that he was he was belting out some some kind of utterance from his from his lungs so right <laughs> I hear that off. good question
1: <laughs>
0: um, no go ahead jimmy
1: no, I just, I got to hear that audio someday.
2: <laughs> I don't think Devin would would ever let that uh, become public.
1: That's, that would
0: be the worst thing to get out. Not, not like a bad take or a Tom Cruise bitch session on set, but like trying sincerely to do it and trying
2: a wolf call. Like yeah. who's not going to fail at that miserably?
0: Totally. That's yeah. That's unfair to put it. And, unless you're, you know, mountain man, Jim Bridger and you've been up exactly. there for 10
2: years and you
0: you know you you've got a wolf as a pet that's the only but person those
2: guys those guys usually can't act
0: no they can not <laughs> they're there for consulting right
2: it was it was a trade off taking devin
0: i'm glad we tripped on this were there people were there trappers like did you guys consult with that because you're very you're very accurate like i when the scene with devin when he's teaching uh, his daughter how to um and I have all these names down. I'm just not going off my list. But when he's teaching his daughter how to how to uh, disembowel and skin, and then he drops the comment of, uh, you know, every animal has enough whatever in its brain to tan its own hide. I went and looked at that after and I was like, man, you guys are really on fucking point with this.
2: True. I mean, <laughs> I,
0: wondering, did you consult trappers? Did you did you research how, like, you know, how to live off grid? Like, where did all of the, the the nuts and bolts of it come from?
2: I'm a, I'm an inside dog. I don't, I don't, I don't generally, I'm not even a really a camper. but I just did a ton of research for, for through the course of those 10 years, I'd gone hunting uh, a couple of times just to get a feel for it. Um, I consulted with, with, with families who had trapping cabins out in the, out in the wilderness and they would go for, you know, week stretches at a time and just do it because it's part of their, um, their, their, Kind of familial heritage um and also uh, you know i would given the script to um trappers and 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 other outdoorsmen to just go through it and see if if what i was doing was was the realistic way to do it and if there if there was something that they bumped up against i would go back and do more research and and figure out a way to insert the proper um proper way to do it into the script it's not all like we do take some dramatic licenses and and hide them very well i'm not going to tell you what they are but you know some things have to be done to service the story and um and 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 other things and everything else should be as authentic as possible
0: yeah like that's the
2: strategy that we felt going in
0: i have always had a a desire like a couple weeks ago um there was a there's a sick cow on my girlfriend's farm and they were gonna they were gonna mercy kill it and then we were gonna take it down and I was super excited to do that and then watching this again it just I've I've like your your representation of this family in in, in the Canadian wilderness which is you've got some gorgeous fucking shots like oh, yeah. you mentioned with the ominous tone and you, you almost make it feel and and correct me if I'm wrong you give the perspective of the wolf while you're doing some of your tracking shots, like when Devin's walking through the woods and his character is looking for the wolf, it almost feels like we're the wolf watching Devin at some point. Was that a, is is that a a misstep on my part? Or was that something you were.
2: No, not, not, not altogether. We were the, we were trying to make a movie with kind of predatory movements. The, The movie itself is, I've always thought of it as a fairy tale about predators. And so, visually we wanted kind of that lyrical quality that the movie never really stops moving unless there's a really good reason for the camera to be stopped um and that was done on purpose to give it that kind of you know the lyrical um um, fairy tale-ish or fable-ish uh feel to it and you know a fairy tale that's darkened uh will always have that kind of you know predatory aspect that's that's looming over it and we definitely exploited that in every way that we could
0: i uh i want to make mention here because we keep going back to devin's name but um i i I took notes surprisingly and camille sullivan blew my mind blew my mind on screen isn't she
2: awesome she was incredible
0: She's a fucking force to be reckoned with. And it and and she's I feel that, yeah, the main plot is protecting your family, capturing this wolf and getting along with your trapping life. But there's also a subplot with her wanting to get back to civilization. And she's now seeing her daughter like you've got a lot of different themes going on inside of a thriller that. Or a thriller horror, I guess. Like it's 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 so many things because like the first half is thriller, this last half is horror. Like you were just like, I'm gonna genre blend and fuck you if you don't like me, and it works so goddamn well. But where did you find Anne? Because she's she's a treasure.
2: She it's um pure luck. It was pure luck that we 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 were going to and we were passing out the script to see if anybody was. Um, had any interest, and in, I knew how important Anne was. I mean she's the main character and, and Camille just handles it uh, every step of the way. But she was um, she had responded very quickly with interest and and wanted to talk to us. And uh, after a, a, a conversation, I knew that that uh, she was the person to go with. and she came in and with just minimal con- like we just had conversations about the character um until the day came that we had to shoot it and she was really receptive and had all of her own ideas and and through the course of of events the the her character just kind of her ideas synergized with mine and 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 you get what what you see there the the first time that that like on day one when we were shooting our first take of our first scene um Camille was in it and after the uh after the first take, it was just a giant burden for like a weight that had been lifted off my shoulders. Like, yeah, we're probably going to be okay. Cast wise. If this movie sucks, it's on me. It's not on anybody else.
0: <laughs> That's very brave of you sir, to fall on the sword like that. Cause I mean, it takes a village to make a movie, but at the same time, you know, there's, there, there are lines where it's like, well, okay, we wrote it this way, but it, it's, it, it's, Seamless, dude, it's so seamless. Uh, Jimmy, I can see you sitting over there and you kind of wanted to chime in. I, I want to throw it back to you so I don't hog this whole thing here.
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I just got another question here. As um, now when we when we see the, the the main cop when he goes to investigate for the first time and he starts stepping into the traps that Devin has set around. Um, first, every time I see that happen, I, I couldn't help but go, ah, oh my God, you know, like that. <laughs> and it keeps happening.
2: Um, Sideshow got- Bob. That's what I keep seeing now. Uh, stepping on those rakes.
1: <laughs> you said that. I said the exact same thing to Michael before we started recording. It reminded me exactly of Bob with the rakes. Uh. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. I appreciate oh, we sent a question. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: Awesome. Yeah. No, it's every time I see it, no, all I see is Sideshow Bob and those rakes.
1: Excellent. <laughs> um,
0: having like, such oh sorry go ahead jimmy
2: but
1: just like uh with the theme of the traps it's and the name itself hunter hunter can be interpreted in so many different ways like it's devin hunting the wolf devin hunting the killer the killer hunting devin the killer hunting the family um it, it just like so did you have this title from the beginning or did is it something that came about
2: yeah it was always there um which is you know it wound up being Five years into the into the the writing journey, I found out there's a very popular anime called Hunter X Hunter, which is uh, um, you know, it's a lot bigger than my project was. But by then, it was just it was it was always Hunter x Hunter, and I, I couldn't ever think of another title that would be more appropriate because of what exactly you're saying? Um, it's, it's got you know manifold uh, uh, number of of, of meanings. Um, as far as the, the traps go, the, the structure of the film was also supposed to resemble that of, of walking into a, a bear trap or something, where it's, you know, it's it's kind of a, it 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 establishes a rhythm that um, that lulls you into a sense of like vague alarm, but also kind of um, um, drawn into the story. And once it claps shut at the very end, then The whole world changes, so it was, it was, it was meant, it was structured to, 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 to resemble that even, and yeah, there's traps, it's soaked with, with traps and, and, you know, psychological traps and all kinds of stuff.
1: Well, there's, it's, it's got Devin setting traps for the wolf itself, Devin setting traps for the killer, the killer setting traps for the family, like, it's just, it's limitless, really. It's
2: incredible. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, it's, uh, yeah, we, we tried to, to, again, being a fairy tale about predators, we wanted to represent, you know, man is when you're that far out in the wilderness, they're just another animal like everybody else. So we wanted to be equal opportunity um, with our, um, um, you yeah, with our, with our animal interaction.
1: Right
0: what is it like filming in the wilderness like that using it as your backdrop i mean the the, what time of i'm gonna guess either spring or fall was when you guys were were filming just by looking at, at the backdrop and the foliage and whatnot and i can only imagine that some of those shots i'm like you walked into the bush and you were like open up the camera let's start shooting here right like so when you're picking your shots and you're using something that's so continuous, like, like you know, the old Spider Man backdrop where it's just the same thing over and over <laughs> again. You know, that's not this, though. You have these lake shots, these mountain shots. Like, you have all of this beautiful backdrop that I, I'm just wondering how did you pick what you wanted to have in and then not feel that you maybe missed a shot?
2: We knew the layout of what every scene should look like, the topography of, of, of the areas that they're in primarily shot in three different places the the most remote one was out in the the canadian shield by the the ontario border in Pinawa, i think it was yeah yeah. And that was you know we were looking to to, to the story is about a a, a a very harsh and unforgiving uh environment and we had to go to those places to um reflect that harshness and it was you know we were we were our supply lines were super um, were super stretched as we're out in the middle and up ridges and, 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 and deep into this wilderness where there wasn't electricity or running water, or things like that. So it was basically just camping with a, with a camera. Um, the second, there was a second kind of topographical um, scheme that we wanted to have that was a little more flat and European with, with long um, trees that might even resemble, you know a vaguely asian feel to it and that was the stuff we found that uh by chance in lebow manitoba which i'm not even sure if it was a town but it was just it was a crossroads in the middle of the woods when we were uh location scouting for other places and just happened to cross it and, and look to the left and to the right and it was like yep, this is perfect right here crossing that off the list and the third place was in birds hill park um at a, a little heritage cabin that was nestled in the middle of, of the woods, that they were very kind enough to let us use. And th- as far as the weather goes, it was in in October, and if you remember October in 2019, uh, our second-to-last day of shooting was that day. That um, it was the the, uh, the the largest snowfall of that day in Manitoba in history. It just dumped everything and. You know, we were shooting a, um, a, an environment that was just a sea of auburn leaves and nice golden uh, shades and everything like that. And that that one uh, snowfall just whipped all of the leaves from all of the trees and dumped a bunch of snow on the ground. So we were lucky enough to have shot all of our exteriors. Um, by then, the, 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 the only problem was just to, to uh, mask it out wherever we saw it in the interiors but yeah we dodged a bullet there and uh, you know we trudged through rainy days and all kinds of things that I personally would never do like I worked below the line for a few years for a number of years and um, and I would never ever do that for a job I probably have not taken the gig and to know that or just to have seen that all of these these uh, that the crew members that I, that I knew from, from, uh, working with them, uh, the dedication and the, the wherewithal that they had was, it was just amazing.
0: Was it always Manitoba for the backdrop or were you considering BC or maybe Northern Ontario? I mean, you've not, not to knock what we have here, but it's just, there, there are more beautiful places, but you have made it seem like this is not manitoba you have found some pockets that are secrets and in and, and it's a great showcase and you're from manitoba so i'm, I'm imagining that may, may have had something to do with it but for
2: you, sure yeah it's the once you get the canadian shield is really beautiful um like it's it's gorgeous and it's got elevation i know we're smart, smack dab in the in the prairies but the minute you the that you you're you're getting into the canadian shield it's it's a lot of rocks and a lot of beautiful big trees and there's just a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought again. That's
0: okay. I'm on it. You're in the, you're in good company. I had a point. Uh, (laughs) I have the two. Maybe we'll find both of
2: ours. (laughs) (laughs) What was the question? I'm sorry.
0: Just the question was: Why did you choose Manitoba instead of choosing something you know that's that's traditionally used?
2: The most practical matter was was you're right that I'm that I'm from here, and all of my uh, resources and uh, like I I managed to get a really good crew that I don't think I would have got if I was just a stranger walking in and. You know, I, I know uh, who I, I I like to work with, and I got to work with those people. Um, so yeah, it was it was more just a matter of practicality that I always knew it was going to be here. Also because of I knew that if I went to any other province, it would inevitably be more expensive. So,
0: sure, yeah,
2: it's pretty much a no brainer.
0: <laughs> Where did these? I want to get back to your creation here, your your baby where did these characters come from because i think we can all agree that this is you're paving some serious new ground with using the canadian wilderness as a backdrop for horror while at the same time picking a profession a lifestyle that also isn't right so you've got your fairy tale aspect which it makes a lot of sense cabin in the woods dense wood like you know these are all very rooted in fairy tale lore so to speak but
2: yeah the the you know the burly woodsman and the big bad wolf and Maiden in Distress. Those were, those were kind of. They were always consciously, you know, sort of starting points. I wanted to use some of those elements and then go off in in, in ways that I wanted to go. Um, but yeah, that was the 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 characters. I really wanted to find a profession that was going extinct, or that it ceased um its 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 utility was um it, it was no longer uh useful in in the modern world and so these people were a, a a throwback in in every way and and really secluded from civilization and and just living um life according to how they'd have it dictated instead of, uh, of, of living in a society so that was the main jumping off point of, of having them trappers is, you know, there's no need for, for fur anymore. There's there's quite a bit of backlash to it. And it's just not something people people do. So how, it, it's, it, you know, Merceau, the, the lead character is really determined to pass on um, these traditions to the next generation. And Anne's character, Anne, the wife knows that, there's no utility to passing this along, and so what's that going to do with their daughter if we're if they're training her to be um, an animal that's extinct already?
0: That's real, man. You're so good at telling that. Like there, it's it's just a smart horror movie, and those are not made and I. I love when there's just like this is rooted in all things tradition but I'm going to turn it up a notch. I'm going to pepper it with this. I'm going to I'm going to take it my own way so that yes, I'm telling a story that can be told anywhere. It's a fairy tale story. It, it if you want to, you know, water it down to that, but man is it packed with so much more nuance and and storytelling and like I was I was in the bedroom. I was at the back of the bed, big California king, and then I was at the front of the bed with my hands on my knees. <laughs> Looking straight into the TV going what the fuck is like you pulled me and I'm a fat lazy fuck Okay, like you pulled me from one end of the bed to the other and then I realized where I was and I was like bravo sir Like bravo.
2: That is is the appropriate (laughs) response Yeah, no, that's like bringing it back to the vanishing. I don't know if you've ever seen that the Dutch version, but it's it's like a mystery thriller but by the end of it there's one scene that's at the very end and it's the it's the movie all just culminates into this one scene and I'm not going to spoil this uh, movie that was made in 1988 <laughs> but uh, the final scene had me but like I didn't even know that I was doing it but I was standing up and my hands were like running down my face and I wasn't aware of any of it like going like what the hell just happened and so those are my favorite kinds of movies I'm glad that I may have made one of them.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you moved. you moved all two hundred and fifty pounds of my lazy shit from one side nice. of the other, to the other. So Well
2: it's it's a it's the movie with there's a really heavy experimental nature to it that hopefully you don't really see. And the movie's about it's we were really trying to play with um, uh, sustaining tension without satisfaction. So it, it kind of at the beginning it kind of finds your your flight response and it just presses that button a little bit and operates at a low hum and you know most movies will in a, in a horror movie you'll get a jump scare after the tension and it's like ah! and then the minute after or the the moments after that there's like a release you're like oh you're feeling good and the the, the the structure of the story ebbs and flows and goes up and down you're trying to not do that at all of just having an arc that just keeps on going up and so a lot of the scenes, you like you you'll notice that there's not a lot of satisfaction to them they don't give you all of the information in a way that will that will suddenly root you in somewhere and, and be like okay i understand what's going on let's move on it never gives you that so there's never any of that release that you get until it, it just becomes uh, a pressure cooker and explodes in the end
0: yeah you well, oh, go ahead jimmy
2: i'm glad
1: you said that cuz one of my favorite scenes in this is when Camila's character is now by herself uh, trying to track and hunt and doing the things that she's not quite skilled at as oh. David's character. Um, and she gets on the radio and she's trying to find him and she tells him she can't do this anymore. And you hear the receiving signal of his radio back and that just, yeah. And you get the receiving signal and that just, it, it's one of those moments that makes your heart sink, you know?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's because of Camille. She absolutely sells that that moment. It's the, the movie's filled with those kinds of really risky moments where, if it's not performed correctly, it becomes almost jokey. Like, there's no middle ground of you know making that that scene okay. It's either really powerful or or it's garbage. Yeah, because you're
0: pushing your characters to the edge of their comfort zone never mind the actors playing them so yeah you're right like you 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 kind of close in your this is how much room you have to get this right this is like your rocky 1 okay we don't have enough money in the budget you get one take to do this and if it's not right we're not doing it because it it's got to be that or nothing and she's she's your rocky man like has the, 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 yes, like that that callback from the radio when she found. Fa- well, yeah, we're getting into spoiler territory, ladies and gentlemen. So if you really want to watch this movie, which we all want you to, specifically Sean does, uh, you can you can skip this part or you can tune in. Um,
2: yeah, don't even watch don't even watch the trailer if you're gonna watch the movie. Don't yeah, don't, don't watch anything from it.
0: Just just do it. And you know what? That's my 2021 resolution. Like not you know to be a better person, but just to not watch trailers. <laughs>
2: But, that makes uh, you a better person
0: for, for for movie makers. Totally, yeah. I'm your big. I'm your fan now, right? <laughs> so, but Jimmy mentioned something pre-recording. Um, see, Summer Holmes. Is that, am I correct on? No. Um, Summer H Holmes. Summer H Holmes. Oh, Thank you. I knew there was a letter in there somewhere.
2: Uh, she's she's I a mean, little She's awesome.
0: Oh God, like you picked a you picked a an an actor that for a child. Like when you give a child a role. I can, you know, again, I'm a sideliner, so this is a lot of assumption, not so much fact. But, like, just from what I know, say, for example, Goonies, where they didn't let the kids see the ship until they revealed it to get that natural response, she gives natural response. And I don't know if you're off camera, like... You know, watch the birdie to get an action to then record, right? Like, are you be are you one of those directors where you're like, mm-hmm. you promise her something and then you take it away from her at the last minute and then film that to get the shot? But I'm sure you certain- never
2: needed to do it, any of that with Summer. She was she was all pro from the beginning. The the character of Renee was actually for for years uh, was a was an eight year old boy. And then I and then I met Summer and had to rewrite the script because I wasn't going to let a talent like that just slip by. When you're when you're working with kids, it's really lucky when you get somebody who who has that kind of understanding and, and maturity already to regress and to become and to to, to look more vulnerable than, than she naturally is. She's very confident, you know, uh outgoing. Um, a young lady and and she had to kind of uh, pair that back which is something that's very hard for young actors i would imagine uh, to do so i was very lucky to have found her
1: well you so, uh, go ahead Jimmy. can i ask you is that why a lot some of the characters mistake her for a boy in the film
2: no that was just that was built in because it's you know it's yeah that's not the because those were all done consciously of of, uh, yeah, because she is kind of dressed as, and she she goes through life a little bit as a as a doing boyish things. She prefers to be with her father trapping, as opposed right. to being uh, stuck with her mother doing the other side of the daily duties. Um, so she 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 yeah, that was all written on purpose. It was the change that that we had to go through from being a, a young boy to a slightly older girl. Okay.
0: She was, as Jimmy mentioned, she was in his favorite horror doll series, Chucky.
2: Yes, she was. She's an old hat at horror doll. <laughs> and I, I think that's probably why she handled it so well. Like it was grim, grim stuff that we were doing every day. And you know, it, off screen, we were all having the time of our lives. Like we're setting up hard shots and everybody's taking part in you know the actors aren't leaving set; they just want to sit around and watch and, and talk to each other. And it became a, a really happy family behind the scenes, despite the subject matter that that we were doing. They're relentlessly grim; like there aren't any happy scenes in in the in the film at all. Really, it's
0: um, it, it's. I want to point something out because I don't want it to escape me here. And I I, the little things that Jimmy mentioned that you do that just kind of set so much depth to your characters like when you the keystone cops with the conservation officers right like how like you've you created they're so far off the grid because it's off the grid living but yet the tropes and well not the tropes i should say but like the common problems of a normal bustling society still exist where You know, they're in the middle of nowhere, like the conservation officers kind of have it out for these people because they're living off the land and they're a problem for them. Like you think no matter how far away you get from society, you leave this shit behind. But you can even find it in the middle of the Canadian wilderness in a horror
2: Yeah, the the movie was was trying to situate itself at the intersection of social laws and natural laws and to show that kind of um, when those two different uh, sets of laws come to a head, the natural law will always win in the end. Um, so I was really even um, geographically, these characters are, are just on the line um, between complete wilderness and civilization. They're at neither point, especially the forest rangers who are at that at that intersection, while the family has gone off a little too far off the, the grit, which is, you know, They've, they've crossed the boundaries that, um, that that separate the social laws from the natural one.
0: You've you've made me realize that we're Mother Nature's bitch.
2: <laughs> we are always Mother Nature's bitch. <laughs> no matter
0: no matter how big your trap is. Um, so me and Jimmy are huge Devin Sawa fans. Uh, me nice. from my youth, Jimmy from his too. I mean, he transcends. Like there's a there's a big age difference between me and Jimmy. If you look at it on paper, but as friends, there's there's no difference at all. And we both celebrate Devin Sawa. I would even say Jimmy's more mature than I am some days. So like but we both like he's he's got staying power and I was so happy to see him come through in this as a lead and to be remembered as not just a teen heartthrob, but like a guy who's got the chops. And, and I just want to know what it's like working with somebody who's got such a fabled and known history.
2: He's a fantastic dude and a super talented actor. Like he was like, he's unrecognizable in, in our uh, in our film. It's really far removed from, from his younger work, especially. But it was just a joy to work with him. He, he, he came in and, and like everybody else, just jumped in both feet first he really wanted to nail the authenticity of what he was doing and that's right up my alley that's right what we were doing and so he really enjoyed himself it's this he was allowed to kind of um flex creative muscles that he might uh, might not have had much of a, a chance to do like it's it's something it was it was something different for him and and maybe something refreshing and it, it shows through in his performance, too. He's fucking great.
0: He's on he's on uh, Malton on Movies, the most recent episode of Leonard Malton's podcast. And he's just a fucking fanboy. And I was just so excited to hear him, like, geek out about working with Travolta in a movie that he did and just going over his career. And you're like, there's such an authenticity and genuineness in him. And, like, child teen actors get such fucking guff these days, right? Like, they're so watched because it's like, you know pretty hard life being a kid having all this thrown at you and then have staying power after and he even says in his interview where he's like you know i took a break from it i was like am i really enjoying this and you can see him enjoying this again in your movie which just adds to a probably better working environment but more depth to a character
2: did you know did you know that he played stan in in eminem's dear stan See, so you guys are actually standing on the original stand.
0: <laughs> that's totally true because he did give his blessing when they did the Pete Davidson skit on SNL. Oh, right,
2: yeah. I never got <laughs> to see that. I never got to see it.
0: Watch that one, dude, because it's so it's so good. Like, they do I so M And Eminem closes it out. Like, he does the last little 30-second bit of it. Um, no way. Like, that's, that's his, that's like, that's a big damn deal to go from to take your movie career and then jump into a music video and then jump back in like you, you're like your movie does. It takes a hard 90 degree turn because it's almost, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's all, like, to go from where you are to jump to a music video and then have the ability to go back to, to carrying on a career. That's, that's a ballsy play specifically. He's a think. really,
2: he's a really versatile dude. And I guess that's a, um, that's, uh, probably a, a large source of where his, his acting talents come from is his ability to kind of um, adapt and react. So yeah, it was a, it was a joy to work with him. And, and I guess your next points that you're going to be moving on is the, is our next uh, X team beats or a tiger beats. Dude,
0: like it's, it's nuts because I'm a huge fan of bully, a huge fan of that movie. It does not get enough. Like J- uh, bread, Brett. Brad Renfro, Nick Stahl, um, a couple... Oh, bully,
2: yeah. yeah, So good.
0: You know, and, and so... For, and, and to watch him go and have his little moment out of the industry and then to come back, I, I, I really, I think me and Jimmy both want to know is at this point in the movie, everybody, this is where it starts to get really fucking crazy and Sean becomes a dark individual and you're going to love him for it. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> did you have like, did you go through a lot of creepy ideas before you landed on Nick for his role in this movie? Because he's late to the game, but when he steps on screen, it's like, you've been here the entire fucking time. So was, was he always kind of in your mind or did you, did you have other people?
2: Him as an actor? No, he was, he was, um, it was like all of the cast. It was basically just really good fortune that they managed to wind up in, in my lap. Um, yeah you're right nick had taken a few years uh break from from acting but he was looking to get back into it and um expressed interest <clears throat> in the project and he came in we shot as chronologically as we could so he came in halfway through whereas most of the other cast we got a chance to get to know them um, going out to dinner and they got a chance to gel as a family unit before uh, we went to camera and they had to act like a family unit um, but Nick came on halfway through and um, so he had already had, he brought like an aura of, of outsider-ness already to uh, the sets that we were doing. And so that really lent itself really well. And so once he arrived, we would, again, no time for re- rehearsing or or days of rehearsal or things like that because we we're in the middle of shooting. So. Nick and I would just sit there on the couch while they were setting up for shots and we would talk uh, psychopaths. My, my father's a a criminologist and, and, um, um, and has a lot of experience. And as it turned out, a lot of books on his bookshelf in his office when I was 13 that I stole. Um, So I've always had kind of um, the psychopathy has always been an, an interest of mine since I was a kid and, and learning the behaviors of, of serial killers and things. I know that sounds a little bit dark, but so that's fine. Nick and I, Nick fine. And I would basically just construct his, um, his persona as we were, as we were going through it. We had in the script, the, the idea that, that, uh, that, that, I had. And again, it was just a matter of, of synergizing his ideas with, with mine and coming up with this, profoundly creepy character.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's, that's the, I'm not even going to try to re-describe it. Cause that's exactly what he is. Like as soon as he comes, you're just like, I'm like, dude, you give off the worst vibe. And I don't know, like his, his emoting and his silent cues are there. So for a guy who was like, Hey, I'm going to step off screen for a minute and come back. It's like riding a bike for him. And It's, it was, it was just really nice to see. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like two, this is two guys who we've all seen on screen for years kind of come back and be like, not done yet, not done yet. And, and still, you know, rock a take and, and, and nail it. Um,
2: For sure. Nick has to flick a switch at, at one point in the, in the, the story and kind of become a different person. And, you know, parts of that just chilled the blood even while you were, watching it
0: live. Uh, Jimmy, I want to, uh, I want to realize that I have uh, left you in the basement in your house for a while here. So what do you uh, you tag it? You're it.
1: I just, I mean, my God, man, the, just the whole setup of him when they're, we're we're definitely getting into spoiler territory now, but when he, when he's at their cabin and he's hurt his leg and they're going to try to drag him back to civilization, I have to ask, um, was his screaming genuine or was that a, like, was that just another trap that he was setting?
2: Oh, no, that was, he, uh, yeah, we are getting into spoilers here. His, <laughs> his motivation there was to, he, he, if, he, if they wound up getting to the road to the truck, it's game over for him. He's gonna get taken right. to the hospital and he's gonna get arrested. So he wanted, by any means necessary, to stay at that cabin to stay removed until he had a chance to get better and, and to become more capable of handling the situation.
1: Okay.
0: I'm going <laughs> to do the responsible thing here and we're going to milk, slowly milk to the end of the show so that you have to listen to everything Sean has said or will say until we're done so that you literally go through the movie as if the way he intended you to go through the podcast. That's what I think I want to do. So we're just going to keep, we're going to pleasure delay as you've done in the movie with where Nick goes. But I want to do, I want to ask a question because I said this to Jimmy, I was like, I don't know if I'm missing something or if I looked away for a split second. But um, when, when Devin's character comes across the pit of bodies, which we've kind of overlooked, which your bodies looked so fucking real, man, like instead of a pile of eviscerated blood and guts, which is the easily go to shock you moment. You have a gray color to these bodies you have yeah, we
2: did a lot of, we did a lot of research like body farm research that's how i've always <laughs> did been that. All interested right. in those so i didn't want like a. I didn't want gore i wanted a realistic depiction of of death and the, by doing that you're also i was also able to tell a story point to that having various forms or various stages of decomposition meant that this person was coming back it wasn't just dumping a whole bunch of bodies in the woods it was somebody who was coming back to the same place. which um, means he was doing it more than once.
0: Okay, so then that's... All right, So and that's just the one thing I was like, okay, so that's obviously, um, as as we get into this here, the, uh, the wolf's, we'll say the wolf's pit of bodies that is being brought back. Um, then that makes me understand what was going on. Okay, so was, was, was Nick Stahl's character always roaming? Like... Was he a resident of the area? Was he on a ripping path of, of 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 rape and murder? Like, where that's the only thing I kind of missed in the whole story.
2: He's a he's a city dweller. He lives in the city. This is where he. It's a remote place where he can he can dump his his victims, um, and that's why you see his 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 car once you can, like. There's a sign that he's arrived on the scene when when the ranger finds uh, his car parked along the side of the road. Um, so yeah he's that's it's, it's it's getting into like the 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 habits of of killers like Ted Bundy or the Green River Killer who always have these dumping sites uh, so that they can go back and marvel at their handiwork which is why you also get the lawn chair right. that's creepily sitting in the middle of it um, and that was the idea they they need to find some place remote because they're concentrating a whole bunch of bodies in one place so it's it's a, you get into a lot of trouble if it's if it's too close to civilization.
0: The fact that you've just secured that for me makes me want to put it right back on as soon as I'm done this and and watch it like because that just adds a level of chill to your bones. Like, there we have a dumping ground, ladies and gentlemen, and that you know that kind of repeat habit of a killer. Like we were talking, Night Stalker just landed on Netflix, which is the Richard Ramirez series about the Night Stalker killing. And everybody's saying Netflix has pushed it too far. I like that though. The the the, I have an emotional attachment to movies more than I have like a technical appreciation for them. So when I get a visceral feeling, I'm like, "You've done your job. You've now got a fan in me for life." And that's what I'm just I'm getting it all over again here.
2: Um, well, I think I think handling it any other way, or to me, to whitewash violence or um, um, death is more exploitative than exploiting it because you're making it more palatable than it should be.
0: Yeah. And and
2: it should be horrific. Death well, is horrific.
0: Yeah, de- exactly. And if you're make believing, if you're playing make believe, then you should pull as much authenticity in, into that as possible. And to, to, to whitewash it, as you say, and make it very, you know, you can swallow it. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And some people get offended by that, which I mean, your feelings fine. You can have them, but just, shut up. Don't tweet about it. And you know that you're supposed to be left affected. You can laugh, you can giggle, you can cry, you can scream, you can shout this one. leave left. Like I walked in the other room, Shauna looked at me and she's like, what? And I'm like, wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and I want to lead into the special effects of this right now. Cause we we're closing in on the, on the end game here. We're in the end game now. Uh, and there's some other stuff I just want to ask you about what you love about movies and what you, what what gets you going and how you create and whatnot. But uh, the, the skinning of the animals, very authentic, sir. Like I've, I've seen it from afar. Um, were how, how, how were our child actors disemboweling animals? <laughs> how was, how was that?
2: They were, re- she was really good and she was totally into it too. They all really were interested in, in, in learning and it, it seems gross on camera and it, It was gross when we were doing it, but it's also really interesting, especially knowing that we're not um, uh, hurting anybody by learning this or hurting anything um, by learning this. It it just made it kind of um, just an exercise. It was um, to do it. Again, we take a couple of of liberties with the skinning process just to suit uh, the narrative. Um, but other than that, we were trying to get it exactly as as realistic as we could, and to do that, we had our our, our special effects team was phenomenal of 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 recreating these animals that are um, that are meant to look like real dead animals. And they they produce those and and multiple levels of them because you're you're taking back the skin and you're you're revealing meats and organs underneath and. That was all carefully laid they did a really really good job on all of it
1: uh yeah oh uh, and just go ahead Jim. just uh the emotional aspect of when they have to um when they have to kill and then uh gut the baby deer and renee saying oh we're not supposed to shoot the babies like you really feel you really feel that so again just excellent
2: job well, it's all, that also foreshadows what happens to the babies at the end <laughs> yeah, yeah the part of the movie Part of the inspiration of the movie was my ambivalence towards eating meat. Like I love meat, but I also really love animals and I hate cruelty to animals. Um and those are two two things that I have to carry inside of me that will never reconcile. So it's it's that kind of we're trying to to, to you know, the family breaks down the beaver and there's nothing left after they use everything. Like they're, this is the most wholesome way of doing that. And it's still really raw and unsettling. And
0: you know, if, if slaughterhouses had windows, we'd all be vegetarians is, is the same. Oh my
2: God. Absolutely. Uh. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we might as well. I will, I will, I will release everybody from the stroking that we've done of the milking so to speak and uh we'll get right to the end here so we can get more into what sean thinks about other movies and whatnot because i want to get into a little bit of that too we reveal in the end the hard right turn that i i describe this as is we come to learn that nick is the the nick is the wolf Nick's character is is the wolf we've we've all learned about uh, a human a, a personified version of a werewolf, because literally that's what werewolves do. They, they kill, they eat, they and they take off. Maybe they sit in a, lo- a lounge chair, and watch their kills in a dumping ground. The point is, though, is that we meet Nick and Nick loses and it's all due to Alice and her wonderful kick-ass performance of being the mother who saves the family. Essentially. Like at this point we've, we've, we've watched some death happen and I don't want to kill it and spoil it so much that you don't know what order it's coming in or you do know. Um, but we end up with Alice. I think,
2: every, I think everybody loses in the end.
0: They do. <laughs> and you know what? It's not a traditional ending. And I love that that kind of is the, that, that is literally the way you went like with, um, uh, what's the Stephen King one I'm thinking of Jimmy. Maybe, you know, it, Sean. Um, Oh, the, what?
2: Mist. the
1: mist.
0: The mist. Yeah, the mist. The, the hard ending where it's not happy. Yeah, that's happy got yet. another
2: super grim ending to it, too. I've always <laughs> liked that.
0: So we come to Alice getting her hands on Nick's character and hanging him up. And as we get to that, I, I, I can only assume that one of the deaths, the, the daughter's death, we might as well get to it. Spoiler alert. Um, Nick rips through the entire house and, and tries to take everybody into his viewing area. Why did you choose to just show us Alice's reaction to what happened with the daughter instead of maybe just giving us the feet or a hand or some sort of idea that something had happened? Because, Or were you just saving it for what we're about to talk to and you put all your eggs in one basket? What, what, what was the idea for that?
2: Mainly because we were because of knowledge that the ending was going to be a shock we really were trying to keep it away from being an exploitative movie and you don't okay. really need to see that you don't need no, you to don't. see what happens it's way more interesting just to see what happens to camille's face because it's just we're watching in real time as as just a, a woman shatters and so like that's the scary part of of it um the visceral parts of of the movie are not like if you've seen game of thrones there's there's way more horror things in that than the last five minutes of of hunter hunter the terrifying thing that sticks with you is the fucking look in camille's eyes like that that dead look of a destroyer it's just like it still sets goosebumps on me it's why you can still kind of you can tell people that it's got a shocking ending and still nothing's going to going to prepare you for camille uh, no,
0: and she it, it, it starts with the man of the house trying to protect his family, and it ends with the one woman who wants to leave and hates this style of living pulling this fucking murderous rampage out of her that you just don't expect until the very last minute. And it's and it's that mother cub or mother and cub instinct with a lioness and its cub, right? Where you just like you've You've wronged me, and now you've, you've gotten between me and my family. So prepare for the the fucking reckoning.
2: Well, yeah, um, she's had she's had everything taken from her. So by that time, there is really no Anne left. There's just a machine of vengeance, or the, <laughs> the, the same kind of um, sadistic um, instinct that Lou has, which is why kind of, the, yeah. the the Walkman is pretty significant because he's she's using his battle music.
0: That was, and that tune is very, um, I watched The Sinner. Season one of The Sinner has um, Jessica Beale's character. Her trauma is rooted in a classic late 80s, early 90s tune. And you had a, like the synth vibe of the song in the Walkman that was used by, by Lou's character that the, she takes. It added another depth of like, she. yeah, she's using his toolbox.
2: Yeah, that's the songs by a band called Tales of Murder and Dust. So oh, that's fitting. It was um it was really we were really fortunate that they were just ready to I don't even think they've seen the last scene. I don't think they've seen the 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 scene that they uh that they agreed to to have their music for but with a name like a group name like Tales of Murder and Dust, you'd think they'd like it.
0: No shit. Yeah. Like I can't see them calling you asking to retract or, you know, dub over but we we end with we end with a killing that is so fitting in a movie for trapping and skinning and, and living off the land um i was our friend doug morrow your your, your makeup artist doug morrow was that him
2: friend of the ship was it was it his doing yes yes so we had a um like a, a fantastic team and one of the names escaped me, but Aaron Murky um, and and a uh, a young lady that I that I can't remember. They were on set. Jade, Michael. pardon me.
1: Jade Michael. I went to high school. Carrie? Right uh Jade. Jade. Michael. Oh, the,
2: yeah. She was an she was an actor. Jade. Yeah, she right. was. Uh, she was great in it. You you were. T- I guess so. You must be really young then.
0: he doesn't show it it's just on his birth certificate uh yeah so you had you had doug and a lovely team of individuals creating i mean we've always wondered and i've seen it in a lot of other ones but you painstakingly make sure that we watch a true skinning of a human being and not like you chose body parts that we all know that if we were skinned there would be the worst. Like yeah. you could have gone off the top of the thigh, but you go right on the inside of the arm, through the armpit, and I'm like, "Fuck you, Sean." That is. Like, <laughs> oh my god, was that hard? To, like that—that that was where I was. Yeah, you know. Well, hopefully, and, you're
2: getting kind of visceral reaction to that scene, and also really conflicted because there's a really there's a cathartic element to it where it's all of that pressure is now exploded. And like, that's why I was, I was hoping to see this in a theater and it sucks that we couldn't do it with COVID, but to see that in a room full of people, like I, I wanted to, to see if anybody cheers, like, yeah, you go girl. Like,
0: yeah, no, t- totally. Like, that, that's her, that's her coming. That's her, that's her prom. Like, yeah. well, not her prom. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, that's, it's the- her
2: carry prom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for the rescue. Um, but that, the scene that we're, we're I mean, spoiler right now, everybody, we've been saying it all show. We might as well keep keep up with the theme. But the scene we're talking about is a is is a it accumulates to a full human skinning by the end of it. And you go some serious Buffalo Bill on this. Like, who knows if she went off to make a shirt after, but. The 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 coup d'etat, the piece de resistance, is the cutting along the jawline. <laughs> like, what what are we what are we doing here?
2: Yeah, what, what are we, we what a way to end 2020 by just ripping the guy's fucking face right off?
0: No kidding. Like that's so metaphor for like just fucking rip this year, rip this bandaid <laughs> of a 2020 year off and, and and let's get to the new year. But like,
2: and again, the creepy part of that is Camille's scream right in his face. It's just horrific. Silent. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Yeah, all you can hear is the music, and you can you feel her scream.
2: You don't need yeah. to hear it. It's, yeah, we we really tried to like. I I went and did a um a, I went and researched all of like skinning on film, and to see what mistakes people had made of like what actually would come off with the material, and you know like you see everybody seen like how the Hellraiser, uh, skinned dude. And, everybody winds up looking like they've got a full prosthetic on them so that they look larger than they would as opposed to if you were taking off the whole layer of dermis you'd be a lot thinner and that's where that's where bj came in cuz we had to we had to find somebody bj also has a very thin face too so we had to find, we had to find somebody who um, would be the same size as nick's Stall if he were to have had his skin removed
0: so that was was BJ doing any of the fight stuff with Camille when they were were going. Okay, so he was doing the the, the tumbling. Okay, and then he was the hanging. Oh, court Camille!
2: Camille was doing the tumbling. She was okay. not going <laughs> yeah. to have it any other way. Okay, but yeah. BJ was our stunt coordinator, and BJ would would be the one throwing her around. Yeah,
0: he's he's I've known him since we were in grade seven and I always knew that he was going to go off like his movie. The Return did super well at his festival run and ratted.
2: It it, it won an award at the H.P. Lovecraft Festival that i had won seven years ago. It's rarefied air.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Passing the torch. Uh, That is a and I hear that is a pretty big big, for for an independent or for a film (laughs) festival award. That's a that's a you've been kind of knighted by a certain community with that one.
2: Yeah, it's, it's he he had a lot of success with it, and he's responsible um, for the success of of this movie too. He did an incredible job. It's you know shooting action scenes and stuff. That's hard. It's it's um, it's a whole different kind of hard than 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 um, straight drama. And it was really uh, invaluable having him there uh, during those times. His, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we would have done it with, we wouldn't been able to do it with any uh, uh, lesser person.
0: With, with the amount of authenticity that came into that skinning when you're left and like you roll the camera around too. That's what I really love. Like you came from, you kind of came from like that, that Dutch angle where it's like, you know, you're going to see the reveal and you brought it around. And then when you see him finally just like shaking in pain, I'm like, that's BJ. That looks so much like my friend BJ. <laughs> just in live, you know, cause I have seen those features for, I, I've thrown the guy across the room before. I know exactly what, what I'm working with when I see him on screen and uh, like, wh- what was that process like putting him in that with, with everything? Like was, the, that looks like one of those days on set that, you know, six hours in the makeup chair before, you know, for three minutes of filming.
2: Oh, yeah they had a pre-call that day for sure <laughs> yeah there's there's it was a lot of makeup effects and just a little bit of cgi and stuff just to get things just right um we knew like again going back to how a face is supposed to look when it's skin it's it would be missing its its lips which is very rare to see in in any depictions of skinning it'd be missing most of the cartilage if not all in its nose and and the i think the clincher was that eyeball that's just kind of darting around that kind of brings the whole it's like the rug it just brings the whole room together
0: <laughs> well done dude well done um, all right well i i, I don't want to i, I you your film is fucking fantastic it's it's a Thanks. solid 5 out of 5 reels on our show awesome. 100% um, i put up my my uh rookie review of it it's on our blog i was like I, i'm gonna critique this and then we're gonna talk about it maybe if you want to go read it you can you there's, there's a comment section if you want to kill me in the comments you're more than welcome to do so i'll be like this is the director speaking um it needs to be reconfirmed and i'll totally do a wikipedia flip for you not a problem point like, by point yeah totally I, I i we try to do a brief one because the 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 principle of the show
2: sorry is... i'm a sunbeam here
0: no, that's okay. Yeah, you're you've got a lovely glow to you now. Um, but the point of the show, we 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 make up situational debates and we insert ourselves in the movies, and then we take ourselves, we take the characters out of the movies and insert them into real life. And 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 to give you an idea, like our our swan song, so to speak, our, our well not our swan song, but like our our gem was when we realized we took Arnold, uh, Sylvester Stallone, and uh, f- tried to ask the question, what summer. Like, would he be a good summer camp director? What Arnold Schwar- or what Sylvester Stallone character could do that job? So that's the kind of fun games that we play on here. Be a summer
2: camp dir- uh, director. Yeah. Oh, Rambo would be a decent one.
0: Well, that, that was that was the that was the caveat was that we couldn't we had no Rambo and no Rocky. We had to oh. go with like deep cut Schwar- or deep cut Stallone. We've done Schwarzenegger too. That's why I'm confusing the two. But um,
1: like. Or my mom will shoot, yes.
0: There's the yeah, or stop
1: for my mom will shoot.
0: <laughs> that's that's the bulk of the show, and then everything else kind of came into working with film professionals and talking to you guys and getting your perspective on things. So,
2: sure, um, give me one of those.
0: Oh, god, we'd love to have you back for that. I, I, I more or less right now, though, want to know what in like what, what do you love to watch? What do you sit down, like is it the same things you like to make, or do you? you would we be surprised to find out what some of your favorites are
2: uh well my favorite movie of all time is the dark crystal but we don't have enough time to get into that um we'll
0: make a whole episode just for that because it's sure a, well, yeah uh,
2: no i go looking for uh, i love smart horror or s- smart like speculative fiction those are my two favorite things and and inevitably that's always kind of what i write about the scripts that i have uh, for myself no matter how much I try they're always kind of a scattershot of different genres like um, uh, Hunter Hunter isn't a straight horror movie but there's definitely horrific things that happen in it um, but it's also got an element of you know mystery and thriller and and you know survivalist outdoor dr- drama and things like that so I don't really really stick with with any particular genre but i've always loved horror and i've always loved sci-fi and so whenever i can find um movies that 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 explore those two topics uh intelligently and powerfully those are my favorite movies
0: i think jimmy would agree with me that those two genres don't get enough credit where those movies are made like when when you start to add in the the when you stop making them less about the characters and just more about being blown away and watching big you know big kills and big sci-fi scenes and big ships and gunfights and whatnot none
2: of that stuff has any lasting power because everybody improves it every year and you're just dating yourself unless there's serious content to it.
0: Totally. And, and when when somebody does a smart take on on anything, specifically genres, it's like rap not getting enough credit at the Grammys. Right. Like I feel that. And Jimmy said this before, that the horror genre does not get enough respect at at the award shows. And it's a huge genre. It's been around for 50 fucking years. Like it, get, it completely gets reinvented every so often. People do new takes like what you're doing. They're adding in depth of character and making a making a genre way more respected than it once was. Where it's just, you know, Freddy, Jason, Michael, and whoever else you want to throw in there. Like there's there's more to it, and I'm glad you're 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 doing that for a genre that needs more attention and more respect.
2: Yeah, horror horror deals with a lot of serious themes for sure, and and you can go either way. There's a, you can go the, the full on popcorn element and there's nothing wrong with those movies um they are they accomplish what they set out to do but then there's there's the other end of the spectrum where if you if you deal with things in a serious matter it's just a matter of giving things the respect that that they warrant, and of 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 treating the horror movie as if it wasn't a horror movie as if it was just a, a movie that you're doing um that that occasionally counter encounters horrific elements and those are kind of like if if it's yeah that's 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 basically how it is is of not treating the subject matter like a genre piece then it, it will always have that uh, it'll always resonate with that kind of seriousness that you've that you've put into it
0: Jimmy tag you're it buddy is there anything that I've uh, kept you from uh, bringing up
2: You know,
1: I just I I really love um, Devin's when he says we don't bring our problems to them and they don't bring our problems to us. And then he but he still won't bring the problem of the the killer to his family. It it reminds me a lot of and I I try to bring this up in as many shows as we do, but it reminds me a lot of Spider-Man not telling Aunt May about the Green Goblin. (laughs) And I think she would have been a lot safer, or she would have been less scared in the hospital room when Green Goblin crashes through if he just would have told her he's fighting. It's called
2: a character flaw. You'll know when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I mean, Merceau knows that if he tells that secret, um, their time in the woods is over. She's definitely going to leave if she knows that there's a bunch of bodies nearby. Or not nearby, but in the in the vicinity. So he knows that he can't tell her the truth, and it's it's basically his uh, it's it's his character that he solves problems himself, and so he takes it on himself with very tragic results. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a flaw in him that he's so uh, he finds um, civilization so repellent that um, and and so dangerous that he um that he he brings a different kind of danger upon himself
0: right when when lou says to uh camille i bet your husband told you it was a wolf he was tracking was that to give you as the audience member a sense of dread that he was imitating a wolf that it all kind of came to a fruition that maybe the previous wolf that, because remember the, the argument is that the wolf is back. It's not the first time we've seen the wolf. So is it, what were we always, was it always a wolf the first time or was it if you want
2: to get into the straight psychology, which I've consciously avoided in this, in the film, just because going back to that, um, uh, sustaining tension without any kind of satisfaction, or release, um, Lou. Inevitable, or it's he had an encounter with Joseph, um, but from his perspective, doesn't really know what Joseph was doing out there. Um, okay. So when he wakes up and Anne tells him that he was attacked by a wolf, that his husband is out chasing, then he's able to bank that and and kind of builds that into his story.
1: Um, okay.
2: and, and give it a reason why uh, and, and make it part of the reason why they don't leave the cabin. Um, and so once she is incapacitated, um, he he really tells her the, the moral of, of the, that we were just talking about that, like, you know, your husband lied to you and told you he was he was chasing a wolf. But, you know, this is what you get. You go courting yeah. predators and you get a predator.
0: That, okay. Again, like you just, you're, you're like, like Shrek. You're like an onion. You're layers. <laughs> like it just keep, but it keeps getting better and better and better until you let us release. And then like it, it, I've, if I, I remember once I was watching a Jets playoff game, I had my Apple watch on and my heart rate monitor went off because <laughs> the suspense was so high that it said, you might be, you might be experiencing a heart attack. And we all could laugh about my blood pressure, but I guarantee <laughs> you if I would had my Apple watch on watching your movie, it would have, it would have done the exact same thing. Like it, and it's a slow crescendo, like a, like a beautiful fucking, uh, like a, like a symphony piece, right? Like it just rises with the music rises, the characters rise. They all, if you drew a line, it would all have everybody in sync doing different things, but all coming to the same conclusion at the end, which is the mathematical beauty of your film
2: good well then then that experiment uh worked that's that's basically what it, it when when i was making it like after 10 years i had no idea whether like where the power was coming from in these scenes or whether or not they would pay off um because they've been with me for so long And you know especially during the editing process where you're watching the whole movie um three times every day you start to lose like any kind of um Uh, it it ceases to have any kind of effect on you and you're not really sure if it if it pays off and that's where the the risk and the experimental nature of it came and it's it's great that for the most part it it seems to be paying off it's definitely not everybody's kind of movie but for the people who uh, like those kinds of movies they they this has an effect on them and that means that it worked
0: yeah, well done. You did it. You you should trademark this kind of thing so that it's yours and then if people want to use it you can just make bank. <laughs> the the Sean Linden method, right? You can go down in history as the Linden method. Like yeah. like, like like the I don't know, like the Coppola uh, right? Or the, the Scorsese, the Linden.
2: Profoundly keeping people creeped out for 90 minutes. That's that's yeah. the story of my life.
0: But but well, <laughs> but like but like doing it in a creative and beautiful cinematic way that is packaged into something that is not the traditional. Ra- it's you've you've done this thing where you know when you make you you wrap the you wrap the really cool gift in the really shitty box.
2: That's what you <laughs>
0: do, right. You've taken horror, which is traditionally the shitty box, not but not by our standards, but like by you know a lot of other people and i don't want to fucking watch a horror and then inside of the horror you put like a brand new iphone 12 like you know just some really lovely interesting i shouldn't refer to your film as an iphone but like it just some very lovely changes to something you wouldn't expect so you're yeah fucking 10 out of 10 dude
2: good thank you thank you very much i'm i'm really glad you liked it
0: um, we started. Oh, I started doing this last year with our interviews, and the gentleman passed away, James Lipton from Inside the Actors Studio. He used to have a set of ten questions he asked all of his guests. Oh yeah, those um, out. I love them. Until somebody tells me I shouldn't be doing them, I'm going to keep doing them in honor of them. So uh, you're our first one of the year. You're our first interview of the year. What's your favorite word?
2: What's my favorite word? Teeter totter. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when a British person says it. <laughs>
0: Delicious. Uh what's your least favorite word
2: My least favorite word? Panties? Ugh Jesus. Yeah,
0: I yeah guess. no. That's 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 a famously hated word. Is it panties? I don't like it. Panties yeah. just poop and panties sound like what the thing is, right? It's like a dirty version of what the thing is. Um, this is not in any way a sexual question, but what turns you on creatively?
2: Um, good question. Uh, mystery, I guess. Not uh, uh, not knowing something in the... Like, mystery imp- maybe implies a desire to to, um, to learn something as opposed to just the unknown. Um that's that's what i think gets me is is yeah the unknown and the and the 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 desire to 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 look further into it
0: and what turns you off creatively
2: romance (laughs) i'll never i'll never write a christmas movie
0: (laughs) no you're not gonna make the next big hallmark no. Thank you sir. Don't do that to yourself. We you're you're too good for that. Oh, no, there are <laughs> awesome. There are awesome
2: people who work on those, especially cuz we live in in Winnipeg and that's a big part of our film industry and we do them really really well. I don't mean to shit on Christmas movies. Oh, There's no, awesome do- people who work on those.
0: We we have a debate that we did about Hallmark movies that I'm I'm waiting we missed the boat on Christmas. It didn't come out because we had we had too many episodes, so I missed putting that one up. But we have one about making your own hallmark in honor of Winnipeg being the Hallmark production capital of, of Canada. And I nice. mean you know they're what sh- like
2: they're good shows to get day drunk to <laughs>
0: i love a little cheese in my christmas movies i really do but it's just spread on so thick like it's for the person who like eats leaves eats sleeps and breathes christmas for 25 days so it's they're, they're for everybody and you can um, usually
2: you can usually telegraph what the whole show is going to be within the first five minutes because all of the characters it's going to wind up happy inevitably there's not <laughs> never going to be a downer hallmark christmas movie I would be, I would be in for that though.
0: That would be fun, like the mist version yeah. of Christmas. The a, a very
2: Christmas tragedy.
0: <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love?
2: Um, when I when I, I wake my cat up by surprise, and they, they she does like a little burr, That's
0: probably my favorite <laughs> yeah. noise. Oh, delicious uh which one's like hate? the human
2: equivalent to huh, what huh?
0: <laughs> what uh what sound or noise do you hate
2: sound or noise do I hate uh, sirens really yeah i, I don't yeah. What, you do like siren noises? What are you, sex? <laughs> <good>. yeah.
0: No, <laughs> what am yes. I, sex? Yes. I have a collection. I have, I have an audio file of all of the sirens I yeah, like. You
2: just hour. put them on repeat while you sleep, like white noise?
0: <laughs> I guess I'm just so used to living downtown that a siren at night is slightly... I mean, nothing ever good is on the end of a siren. No, but... see,
2: that's why. It usually implies that something's gone wrong.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's no, there's no.
2: Everything's fine, (laughs) siren.
0: What, uh, what's your favorite curse word? Cunt. That's so cutting. It's so good. It's such an
2: effective word. It's a word that feels like a hit. Yeah, it's even amongst swear words, it's a swear word. Like to some people, that's. That's off off bounds, and like that's what a real swear word is.
0: Totally. Have you seen the history of swear words on Netflix yet, with Nicholas? No, I
2: I just saw the the advertisement uh, for it. Didn't didn't end up Michael or Nick Cage in it? Yeah, that should (laughs) be interesting.
0: It's Nick Cage being Nick Cage for half an hour, and then a bunch of professionals teaching you about the history and the, uh, ideology of, of the word. There's and a, there's a
2: fantastic fact. documentary called the aristocrats. If you guys have oh, ever God. seen it, it's, it's on that one joke. It is phenomenal.
0: Jimmy, have you seen it?
2: <laughs> I've seen the joke, but I haven't seen it. It's an it. hour. It's an hour of like all of the biggest comedians on the planet giving their take on the aristocrats joke. And it never stops being hilarious. It never
0: stops. Do yourself a favor, get stoned and watch it and call me or text me when you see Bob Saget do it because he's the king of it all, I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, sure.
0: His has got like how like one of the, the, the daughters starts slamming the brother's dick in a drawer. I think that's part of his joke. And you're just like, why is the brother and the sister naked, Bob? You're Danny fucking Tanner.
2: Like, oh, the punchline of that joke is it's, it's hilarious. It's <laughs> hilarious. That's the best joke ever. <laughs>
0: okay, here, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
2: Uh, none, none. Okay, I'm totally useless in every other respect, but (laughs) but this where you know where hopefully I'm less useless. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that I would rather do or that I would do instead. All the rest of it would just be a nine to five, no matter what it is.
0: Yeah, and that means you're happy. If you like what you're doing, you don't think anything else is good. You're 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 right where you should be. Yeah. what profession would you really not like to do
2: Oh, i could i couldn't ever work in an office that's the one like i just couldn't do it um, whatever kind of office is it in any kind of cubicle at a bank or you know all of the standard stuff that that artists can't can't stand the structure yeah, the, the structure and the the monotony and the the same, seeing the same thing and dealing with the same things all the time, anything that has to do with that, movies are fun because there's always new problems.
0: Yeah, it's a problem solvers' wet dream, I think. Yeah. All right. Lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when he welcomes you inside the pearly gates?
2: Uh. I think you went through the wrong door. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, as much as it sounds all great upstairs, I have a feeling (laughs) probably not all wine and roll. Wasn't
2: there a doorman checking your ID when you came up there?
0: (laughs) I just watched soul and soul is a really great play on, Mortality and death, and it's a pix. It's it's Pixar finally stepping outside of the Toy Story machine. That oh man,
2: when I saw that, I was so like because it, it leaves you hanging. It starts to look like they're gonna let this guy die, like he's gonna die, and that's gonna be the end. And I'm like, whoa, this is gonna be a serious like Pixar is taking it, re- going real deep on this one. And then he gets the second chance at life, and I was like, ah, <laughs> no, it's pleasant. It's a good good movie.
0: It is. It's a It's, a, it's a feel-gooder, for sure. Um,
2: but it totally compromises the sacrifice that he makes because it's like, it's It's always the, it takes the easy way out when movies when portray sacrifice and then the powers that be recognize the sacrifice and suddenly they're, they're no longer in any kind of danger and they don't sacrifice anything.
0: Well, yeah, and then that gives no conflict and then thus gives no reason to stay tuned.
2: Yeah, and sacrifice doesn't often have a reward like it does in the movies, so it's false yeah. advertising.
0: Well, that's for the kiddies. I think that's that's for like lead a good life, and and you know your second chance may come in the form of salvation. But that's I mean, for it. I, I don't
2: know why I was expecting a Pixar movie to go dark at the end. But <laughs> it's, it's for the kids.
0: Uh, so your ten-year dream has come true. It's a it's a fucking fantastic film. It's a great piece on so many things. What is next? Another ten years?
2: No way. I'm, I'm my next movie is going to be next year. It's going to be on awesome. A, a desert island. It's already in the works.
0: Ooh, I like I like one place movies because when you when you don't give yourself anywhere else, then it's all story. It's all character development.
2: That's it. And if you can make that one area just breathtakingly beautiful then all of your shots already have that base on which you can compose um, um, beautiful frames and beautiful performances. It just becomes a beautiful thing. We couldn't have done the Hunter Hunter without, like it wouldn't have been nearly as successful without the, the breathtaking beauty of that nature. A desert yeah, island would, would do the exact same thing, I, I think, I hope. I, I,
0: I you've got two people guaranteed to watch it no matter what you do, buddy, you've, you've earned, you've earned the trust of this show. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for taking an afternoon with us. We're just a bunch of yokels doing what we love, but when, you know, pros like you come on the show, it means a lot to me and Jimmy and the rest of the guys to, to sit down and talk to people of caliber who do what you do and give us your time. So that that's a big thank you from us.
2: For sure man anytime it's it's i got a new movie out and i'm really anxious to see what what people think and uh thank you very much for the feedback i'm glad glad that you liked it it's
0: pleasure. uh yeah it's pleasure
2: yeah, speaking it's it's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's fun to watch stuff and then be like okay i'm gonna nerd out hard over this like when i and and we get to take the chains off it's that's that's the it's the dream of the show is to talk to the pros Anyways, um, so I'm going to extend you a welcome back invitation anytime when we sit down and actually do the normal shit and play some of our games. Uh, I'll send you an email with Jimmy on it. We can come up with something that's horror related so that it's in your wheelhouse and uh, you can see if you can take the, the, the win away from Jimmy over there because every time he comes on, he usually has a tendency of kicking my ass. So
2: Really? Well, game on.
0: It's my show. Like I started, like we came. Me and Martin came up with this idea, but I always lose. Just so you know, like why I, don't why
2: don't you cheat if it's your show? I did well, once. You're and pulling I the strings. Him. He's like he's <laughs> like 22. Just dangle some keys over him.
0: Dude, he's a sleeper. You wouldn't expect, him, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's 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 he he shows a certain exterior, but underneath all that, it's yeah you. would Dude, Jimmy's a whole
2: different I'm joking, Jimmy. You're a fantastic dude. (laughs) Great to talk to you, too.
1: Thanks Thanks for letting us nerd
2: out this afternoon. It was really nice. It was my pleasure to nerd out with you. (laughs)
0: all right well ladies and gentlemen that has been another episode of the real debaters with sean Linden himself director producer writer of the movie hunter hunter go fucking watch it i know we talked a lot about everything in it but it will it now that you know what happens now you need to see how it happens and it's it's a different thing all on the screen so take some time uh i know it's on itunes that's where me and jimmy watched it where can everybody find it sean
2: i believe it's still on itunes in canada um in a few more places and still in the theaters in the states um, but as far as I know iTunes is, is and, the, and Apple TV is, are the two places
0: buy the movie it's decently priced support a Manitoba filmmaker support a Canadian filmmaker support a guy who deserves all your support no matter what um, so iTunes is where you can find it we'll put all of your information up on our website so if people have any questions so I'll, I'll, I'll get you that off the show to all the people who listen here, if you want to listen to more of us, head to therealdebaters.ca. That's where the podcast is. That's where the merch stand is. That's where the, uh, you can donate to the show. If you want to see us uh, do better, we'll take your donations. We'll put them back into the show. Uh, this, this is our goal for 2021. Um, as well, cast bios are there. You can see my ugly mug. You can see Jimmy's handsome, grim uh, look on his face. <laughs> Uh, And then if you want to subscribe, follow at real debaters on social media, that's Twitter and Instagram and uh, run every podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, all the big ones, all the little ones. We try to be everywhere and accessible as possible. Um, Our ghost, our ghost, our guest has been Sean Linden, Jimmy Skinner and myself. We thank you very much. Watch all the movies. We'll see you next week.